check this out. I want to say something real powerful here. Jesus said, Satan has asked. Does that sound familiar? When Satan asked for Job? Let me say this. If the devil is going to attack you, make sure it's because God permitted it, not because you permitted it. Let me say that again. If the devil is going to attack you, make sure God permitted it, not because you permitted it. If you permit it, he doesn't need to ask God for anything. But if he has to go to God to ask for permission, that's a compliment. Because like in Job's case, when it went to God, in fact, God <laughs> said, have you considered Job? And the devil was like, well, <laughs> if he hadn't put a hedge of protection around him, well, he lets us know that Dub has been snooping around. But he couldn't get in because our man Job has been doing the preventive approach. He's been doing the preventive approach. He was a righteous man. He walked in integrity. Now, we can't say the same about his wife and his family. Every day. Every day. Every day. He offered sacrifices for them. Every day he was praying for them. Because he was concerned they may have invited rats into their houses. Isn't it interesting that they got attacked first before he did? But that's something for us to just think about. But here's the point. Job wasn't right standing with God and the devil asked for permission and God allowed it. I don't understand why. One of the best examples or best reasons I've heard about why God permits the enemy sometimes to attack us. Is because he wants us to use him as a punching bag. Have you ever seen people hit punching bags? Boxers and people who want to stay fit or lose weight? Because punching the bag helps you get stronger. So God allows the enemy for your spiritual fitness. He's not going to defeat you. First of all, God's not going to allow you to go through stuff that you can't handle. But if he allows it, he'll give you the grace to overcome it so that you can be stronger. But the point is this. There was a preemptive strike that Jesus did on behalf of Peter. The third example I want to give is the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6. I believe it's verse 11 that says, Put on the whole armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the devil which lets us know you put on the armor before the enemy attacks. So that when he attacks, he comes when you're already standing, strapped. Put on the whole armor of God. Not one armor, not two, the whole armor. If you don't have the whole armor, you will not be able, we will not be able to stand against the enemy's schemes and attacks and strategies. We need to put on the whole armor of God. Imagine somebody walking around with just the helmet of salvation, everything else but naked, <laughs> running around talking about I'm going to fight a war. <laughs> that is kinky. 
That just attracts demons, man. Are you crazy? Put on the whole armor of God. That's preemptive. You do that first before the enemy attacks you so that when he comes, you're able to stand. <laughs> Everybody laughing. <laughs> able to stand against the enemy. So that's a preemptive approach. Basically what you do ahead of time. I want to encourage everybody to be submitted. I believe everybody is. Submit to the Lord. Stay in submission. Pray in advance. Don't wait for something to happen before you pray. Sometimes praying when something happens is like somebody who's trying to learn how to swim when they fall in the ocean. You need to know. Be praying in advance. Pray in advance. Don't just pray for a spouse. Pray for your spouse. Pray that if you have a disagreement... Pray for the grace to be able to resolve it amicably. Don't wait. Pray in advance. Talk about this. Prior to marrying Dana, early in our relationship, I told her, I said, girl, I'm with a lot of you guys here. I also get attacked when I sleep. Once in a while. Something I've dealt with from a young age. It's a thorn in my flesh. But before we got married, before we even got serious, I told her, I said, babe, when I sleep, this is what happens, and this is what I want you to do. Do not freak out. <laughs> Unfortunately, people don't have this conversation. And you think you love this guy, or you love this girl. Oh, she's so beautiful. He's so handsome. He's great. The first day, the first night, he's acting funny. You're like, man, he's acting like the person from Ouija or whatever the movie is. <laughs> it freaks you out. You never expected it. It throws you off. And you begin to ask, fine, well, what else is in this person? <laughs> what else? That relationship begins to go south already because you didn't have to. I told her way ahead of time. I told her everything she needed to know, and she told me everything I needed to know. Be honest right from the get-go. And we, we apply the preemptive all the time. We go to bed, I'm binding and loosening. We reject evil dreams. We receive good dreams. We, re we come against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. We will lie down in peace and sleep. Psalms, use the word. Go to sleep. Once in a while, it happens. In fact, recently she asked me, it hasn't happened. I said, nah, can't remember when, but you know, once a month, twice a month, once every two months. I, I don't know. It's a thorn in the flesh. But when it happens, I've done the preemptive. When it happens, I call Jesus. And like everybody else, I, it's, it feels difficult to pray, but I call Jesus. My wife lays hands on me, and she prays with me, intercedes on my behalf. Mm, go back to sleep. But it happens. Preemptive strike. Put on the whole armor of God before the attack. Now, what happens when you now get attacked? Now you got to step it up to the proactive. Now you need to respond. Proactive. This is, what you res this is when you respond after something happens. And now I'm going to expand even more about the armor of God and how we can use it, their relevance, in, com in coming against the enemy. But before I do that, I want to use another example of a proactive approach, which deals with a tool that God has given us. Some of you have mentioned it. Worship. Worship. Praise. This is a very juicy story. <laughs> Let's start in 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel 15 is the story of Saul, who was the king of Israel. God told him, 
to take care of some business. He didn't do what God told him to do, so God fired him. I'm giving you the overview of the story. God fired him. In 1 Samuel 16, the next chapter, God sends the prophet Samuel, who, who had originally anointed Saul as king, to go find another king. And this other king happened to be David. If I'm not mistaken, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, where the scripture says that Samuel poured the anointing oil on David, anointing him as the next king of Israel. Then the scripture says, from that day forward, the Spirit of God came upon David. From that day forward. Then the next verse, verse 15 of 1 Samuel, chapter 16 says, And the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Then in the same verse it says, An evil spirit from God came and tormented Saul. Now, let me deal with the evil spirit from God part. You will see that a lot in the Old Testament. Like you guys, that throws me off because that doesn't line up with the character of God. Scholars have looked into this, and the main issue is the Hebrew language is very complicated. It is very complicated. So a lot of things translated into English doesn't oftentimes accurately capture what the scripture is trying to say. It's more like it's saying God allowed the spirit to attack Saul. In other words, notice what happened in concert with each other. The spirit of God left and immediately there's a void and the evil spirit popped in. In other words, God took his hand off. Now that his hand is off, the spirit came in. We don't understand the protection that we are experiencing right now. If it wasn't for the grace of God that has angels encamped around us right now. Listen, the devil would drop this roof on us. There are spiritual forces just waiting, waiting to take us out. That's why I believe that I know there's a lot of debate about how exactly it's going to happen, but the rapture, all the chaos in Revelation, because we're not there anymore. No church, no grace, no nothing. No, nobody to intercede. It's like God has taken his hands off. It's like, have it your way, like Burger King. But my point is, the Spirit of God the spirit, the evil spirit from God is more like God allowed it or permitted the spirit to attack Saul. Now that God has departed and taken his hands off. Remember the story I told you about in Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 34, the unforgiving servant. Because of his unforgiveness, the Bible says he handed him over to the torturers. It's kind of the same spirit. It's kind of the same idea here. Okay, Saul, you want to do your thing? That's fine. Spirit of God left. Satan is yours. So, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. The evil spirit came and tormented and troubled, depending on the translation you use, troubled Saul. Then they said, find somebody to play music to get rid of the spirit. Then in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23, it says, David, prior to that, David plays the lair or the harp 
And every time he played, Saul was refreshed, he was well, and the spirit left. Go back to Matthew 12. When the spirit leaves, have that in mind. So in 1 Samuel 16, verse 23, it says, Whenever the spirit came, David played the harp, played music, he was refreshed, he felt well, the spirit left. Notice it says, whenever it came, not if it came. Which lets us know that this happens all the time. Spirit comes in, David play worship, spirit leaves. No David, time to get back in. Comes in, David play worship, spirit leaves. Doesn't that make sense? You go to church, you love the worship. You feel refreshed. Thank God for the deities of this world. I know some people don't like worship. In the past, I didn't like it either. But now that I've grown, I understand it's relevance. It's to prepare your heart. It's to get rid of the depressing spirit and the, the heaviness and, and all the things that are coming on you. God is like, we're trying to prepare the atmosphere, prepare you to receive from God and not let those things distract you. That's why the scripture says God has given you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's why. I know we come to church sometimes like, oh, worship is too long. There's a purpose to get rid of the spirits for you. So in, in essence, David was doing proactive stuff for Saul. It has happened. He comes and used the tool, played music, probably didn't even sing. I don't know. But he played music and the spirit left. He felt refreshed, he was well, and the spirit left. But let's fast forward two more chapters. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 8 to 11. That's where you see the story. They were coming back, Saul and David, from the slaughter of the Philistine, I believe the Goliath. And the woman came out singing praises. And they said, Saul killed a thousand. And David killed 10,000. And the Bible says, Saul was very angry. Very angry. Let's pause right there. And let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Be angry. Not be very angry. Be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your... on um. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, be angry, but don't stay angry. Then the next verse, Ephesians 4.27 says, And don't give the devil a chance. Anger opens the door for the enemy. But what was he angry about? He was very angry because David got more praise than he did. Sounds like jealousy. Remember what we've been talking about? Where there is strife, jealousy, bitter envy, they are food for the rats. Okay. He's very angry, and he says, They are giving David more praise than me. What else can he have but the kingdom? Next thing I know, he's going to want to take my spot. Does that sound familiar? You go to work. You're doing a great job. The main boss congratulates you. People are talking about your work. And you have a coworker who's like, 
acting funny. Saul was very angry, and he said, what else will happen next? He, he, he might take my kingdom from me. And the Bible says, from that day forward, Saul began to eye David or look at him differently or be suspicious of him. Just give him an evil eye. Like. Then the scripture says, the next day. Everybody say the next day. The next day. An evil spirit came on Saul. He had a javelin in his hands. While David was playing worship, he threw it against him to pin him on the wall, but David escaped twice. I got a question. Wait a minute. I thought before all David had to do was play the song and the spirit left. How come this time around David didn't even get a chance to really play and the spirit is getting Saul to stab him. Go back to Matthew chapter 12. Verses 43 to 45. When the spirit leaves, seeking rest in dry places, it doesn't find it. It says, I'm going to go back to my house. So if you want to have a picture of what that looks like, look at Saul. Scripture says, when the spirit came, letting us know it happened all the time. He didn't change. He didn't change. And sadly, a lot of people do the same thing. They go to church, they experience the worship, they talk about, they cry during the worship. Some of them lay on the ground. <laughs> they talked about how it, it blessed them, how it touched them. And they walk out of church, and their spirit is waiting. <laughs> Once their out, spirit jumps back in them. People go to church, spirit going with them, spirit stops. Okay, they're going to worship, we just wait outside, chat with the other demonic spirits. What's up, dude? <laughs> what are you doing to that person? Perversion? Man, you got skills, bro. They wait to smoke cigarettes, wait outside the church like parents waiting for their kids after kindergarten. And when they are done with the worship, person comes out, spirit jumps back in. Because the person hasn't changed. And here we see Saul. I believe the spirit was more wicked. I believe it's the situation where he had more evil, more wicked spirits, where just playing worship is not going to do it. In fact, they didn't let him play worship. We let us know it's effective, but we're not even going to let you play. He had a javelin in his hand. In fact, funny enough, they had a preemptive strike in the negative. He had a javelin when he was playing. So it was already ready. We're not going to let him play worship. That's the problem. That's your problem. The reason you've been getting kicked out is because he's playing worship. We're going to make sure he doesn't play worship when we get there. He had a javelin and he tried to pin David. But check this out. In 1 Samuel 16, 23, it says, an evil spirit came to Saul, or came upon Saul. But I believe is in 1 Samuel 18, verse 10, it doesn't say an evil spirit came upon Saul. They amplified, and I believe the New King James say, 
They amplify the New American Standard Bible saying, the next day, an evil spirit came mightily upon Saul. It's a different intensity. This is different. The NRSV version says, it rushed. NIV says, it came forcefully. Initially, it just came. This time, it came forcefully. They didn't know this is a different set. And spirits have the ability to intertwine with each other. So it looks like one spirit, but it's actually a whole bunch of spirits in one spirit, like we discovered in Matthew 12, 43, 43 to 45. But the bottom line is this. He was in the worst state. And of course, you see what happens. Anger and jealousy brought that in. So we need to avoid those things. And to finish up the armor of God. It talks about, if you read the, the description of the armor of God, starting from Ephesians 4.11, then skip verse 12 to 13, you hear, put on the whole armor of God so that you're able to stand against the devil. Then it tells us in verse 12 that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, and the rulers of the darkness of this age. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the devil. And having done all, stand, then stand, therefore. Stand is mentioned four times. Stand, be, I like to say it this way, stand before he comes, preemptive. Stand when he comes, proactive. Stand after he comes and keep standing. Put on the whole armor of God, have your loins girded with truth. Have on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And ab above all, have the shield of faith that you use to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one. Have on the helmet of salvation. Have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Then it says, praying with all prayer at all times. Be alert to this end with all perseverance. Praying for all saints. So the armor of God I believe there are seven of them, and they are put on the whole armor of God, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. He says, truth is like a belt. Think of truth as your spiritual chastity belt. Truth covers your loins. And truth, basically, belts are supposed to hold things up. So if you lose your belt, everything falls off. And your witness is exposed. So we need to put on the belt of truth. I find it interesting that it covers your loin area. And truth sanctifies, John 17, 17. Truth sets you apart. Truth to sanctify means to make holy. Keep your loin area holy. Walk in integrity. Walk in purity in your loin area. Protect it. That's what truth is for. Unfortunately, when we fall short in keeping our loins, keeping our privates, not only is the loin area for intimacy, it's for reproduction. So when we have not been faithful 
in maintaining our integrity in our privates, we reproduce things that are tainted. No wonder we have what people call or what we know as generational curses. So the next person starts off with a taint. We need to protect our privates, protect the privacy. People say integrity is what you do when nobody's looking in your privacy. Truth. Then we have on the breastplate of righteousness, protects your heart. You are right standing with God, righteousness, like Didi mentioned earlier. In first, uh, Second Corinthians 5.21, it talks about, in a nutshell, Jesus took your sin and gave us his righteousness. He took our sins and gave us his righteousness. If, if, if sin was a coat, a dirty coat, and righteousness is a clean coat, Jesus took our coats and gave us his coat. Righteousness is a gift. Righteousness is right standing with God. But it guards your heart. Proverbs 4.23, guards your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Righteousness guards your heart. Peace is like a shoe. It guides your movement. Wherever we go, we need to be peacemakers. When we leave an environment, we need to leave it in peace, not in pieces. Peace is like a shoe. Colossians 3.15 says, let peace rule in your hearts. Let's be peacemakers wherever we go. It guides your movement. Then we have the shield of faith, which quenches the fairy darts of the wicked one. All the fires, all the deception, faith, like someone mentioned earlier, quenches all that. Then we have on the helmet of salvation. The Greek word translated as salvation is soterion, and it means safety, soundedness, deliverance. So it's good to have your head protected. Your head, make sure your head is straight. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is good. When you're walking around with a sound mind, knowing that you're saved, knowing that you have a relationship with God, that is good for you. Then we have the word of God. And that speaks for itself. It's the sword. It's an offensive weapon. This is what we use to stab the enemy. Then we have prayer. Prayer is what I like to describe as the stealth jet that drops all the weapons. Imagine a jet flying over and dropping bombs. The bombs are the other parts of the armor. That's what prayer is. And as, I think of, as you think of prayer, think, for, think about pray for all. Pray for all. What do I mean? Pray, number four, all. Because if you read it, it says praying with all prayer, number one, at all times, number two, with all perseverance, number three, for all saints, number four, pray for all, the four alls, all kinds of prayer and supplication in the spirit. All times, everywhere you are, every opportunity you get, pray for, uh, with all perseverance, all different ways to be steadfast and persistent, be persistent and steadfast, and for all saints. There are all kinds of prayers. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, First and foremost, I exhort that prayers, supplications, intercessions, giving of thanks. It just mentioned four kinds of prayers there. Supplication simply is petitioning God or asking God for a personal request. But even beyond that, supplication is crying out to God, that desperate prayer for crying out to God. So everywhere you see supplication, you probably see somebody crying or on their knees. That's when you supplicate personal request, seeking God, 
crying out to God. Intercession when you're praying on behalf of somebody else. Thanks and praise. We know what that is, praising God and thanking God. There's what they call the prayer of faith. While faith is involved in all kinds of prayer, there is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. There's the prayer of agreement. There's a prayer that some describe as the prayer of dedication and consecration. Fancy word. It simply means let your will be done. This is when you don't know what God's will is. This is a prayer you pray when you do not know God's will, what God's will is. For example, you think you're supposed to marry somebody. So you say, Lord, if this is your will, let your will be done. If it's not, let your will be done. Those are all kinds of prayers. Then, of course, there's praying in the Spirit, where you have your own spiritual language, where the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's a form of prayer, the most effective, because it's perfect. The Spirit is praying through you. So those are the armor of God. Your shoes, peace, guarding your movement, truth, who you are intimate with, protecting, watching who you are intimate with, righteousness, protecting your heart, checking your feelings, salvation, protecting your head, checking your thoughts, the word of God and faith, and we have prayer. Four of the armor, you just wear them. You just wear shoes, wear the belt, wear righteousness as a breastplate, wear the helmet. You just wear them. Faith and the word of God, you hold. The shield, you hold it. The sword, you hold it. And prayer is spoken. So four of the armor, you just wear them. Two of them, you hold them. And prayer, you speak it. So therefore, spiritual warfare, in essence, is walking in peace. Walk in in righteousness. Walk in in safety, salvation. Walk in in truth. Doing the word and speaking the word. In other words, live it, do it, and speak it. Your words control your thoughts. Your thoughts control what you feel. What you feel controls everything else. And that is the whole armor of God. Amen? Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to the While You Are Single podcast. We hope that you were informed, inspired, and impacted. O.J. Tokes has written a life-changing book titled Rejected for a Purpose, How God Uses Rejection to Help You Find and Fulfill Your Destiny. If you would like to learn more about the book, please visit ojtokesministries.org. That is ojtokesministries.org. If you like Christian inspirational hip-hop, check out OJ Tokes' Christian inspirational hip-hop album, A Breath of Fresh Air, which is now available on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, and other music outlets. You can also learn more about his music by going to ojtokesministries.org. Thanks again for listening to the While You Are Single podcast, which OJ Tokes presents weekly, every Monday. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please share with your friends and join us again next Monday. Until then, take care and stay blessed.